to the Humanity Church Podcast, a place where meaningful conversations around living by faith, being known by love, and becoming a voice of hope are shared with the world every week. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and will join us live on Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, online or at the historic Fox Theater in beautiful downtown Pomona. We also host humanity groups that meet all throughout the city and online to continue the conversation and support you in your ongoing spiritual journey. Find one near you by visiting humanitychurch.com. If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321 and give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast. Lord, thank you so much for the gift of today, the gift of this community here. Thank you for um, your presence with us in this place. I pray that you would continue um, to speak to us and move in us and through us and around us this morning as we uh, hear from your word, as we eat together, as we celebrate who you are in us and through us. And we are so grateful for the gift of community today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Scientists and geologists for years have used uh, sedimentary layers to uh, figure out how old the earth is in some areas. And so they would essentially dig down into the earth and see the layers that were created to determine uh, how old something is. So they could dig down and find a fossil at a certain layer and know, oh, this is the era in which this animal lived or lived at some point. And what they had kind of come to the consensus was is that about, it took about a thousand years to create 2.5 inches of layers. So every 2.5 inches of layers of sediment uh, was about a thousand years old. And so as they dug down 2.5 inches, that was a thousand years. As they dug down five inches, it was 2,000 years. 7.5 was 3,000 years and so on and so forth in that. And it was a pretty reliable method that they used to date fossils until an event happened. And that event was called the eruption of Mount St. Helens. How many of you remember that? Mount St. Helens erupted and something fascinating happened geologically in that moment. In that case, three feet of layers were created within five years. That three feet of layers were created within five years and so it threw off the entire system that they had worked with up until that point. And it was a fascinating moment for science but I actually think it tells us what happens in, in culture at times. See, as always, there are cultural trends that happen. There are cultural sedimentary layers that are laid, essentially. And so we can go back in time and say, remember when this happened and it shifted the culture? And remember when this happened and the culture began to shift? And and remember when this happened and and human behavior shifted and cultural norms were created? and, And things shift with times and they create these cultural sedimentary layers that inform us uh, of human progress as we move forward. But like Mount St. Helens, there are moments where human history moves forward faster, where layers are created in, in months rather than in thousands of years. I'm gonna actually ask you to consider that the last three years have been a Mount St. Helens moment culturally for us as human beings. That just like in Washington when Mount St. Helens erupted, I think it was Washington, we'll just go with that. Don't fact check me. But anyways, in that time period, three feet of layers were created in five years. I'm going to ask you to consider that three feet of cultural movement took place in the last three years that looking back would have probably taken 10, 20, 50 years to get to. 
And decades of cultural shifts have happened. And we are all feeling the growing pains for that, trying to catch up with what's happened around us and in us and through us in the last three days. Everything from the definitions of trust and safety and science have shifted to concepts like economics and politics and work and equity and equality. Everything's been redefined. In fact, it's so interesting that the list of what people crave the most in life has dramatically shifted. And the number one thing that humanity longs for now is safety above everything else. We used to long for family as the number one, being known and knowing others, and now we as human beings as a species just long to be safe. And so things have shifted so quickly. And perhaps one of the largest shifts that has taken place as a people is how we actually define community, how we look at it, how we engage it, what it means to us. And here's the thing, I'm less interested in rehashing the last three years. I'm less interested in rehashing the past as much as I am noticing what's happening in the present as a result of the last three years. And really only noticing the present so we can decide if it's creating the future that we long for. That if how we're relating to community here and now is actually bringing forth a future that we say, yes, that's the future that I want for me and for the next generation coming after me. See, because presently, it appears that we as a people are less united and more divided. That shouldn't be a shock, right? (laughs) You can just look around at the world and say, oh yeah, absolutely, this seems like where we're at We tend to be more offendable, we tend to be more isolated, we tend to be more particular about what we want, preferential in our treatment of others, and extremely opinionated. (laughs) And we find ourselves here. The digital age has been amazing, and it has created the gift of bringing people together. It's created the gift of family reunions and connecting to people who you probably would have never been able to connect with before that, but it's also created an isolation from one another that we've not seen in decades in this space. And I'm going to ask you to to consider this. It's not like we weren't these things before. It's not like these weren't present or they weren't coming or they weren't available to us or this is how we weren't engaging one another. But we had a Mount St. Helens moment. And it took where we were and it expedited it so quickly to get to the place where we're at now that we have a little bit of cultural whiplash trying to figure out what to do. And for many of us, it's leaving us asking the question, how do we get back But I think the more important question is, how do we move forward? How do we actually create the future that we long for in the midst of all of this in us and around us? And here's the thing. As we find ourselves in these growing pain moments, we want to blame the dysfunction on a lot of external things. We want to blame the dysfunction that we're experiencing as a human people on a lot of things that are around us, like it's the president's fault, it's inflation's fault, it's the pandemic's fault, it's persecution's fault, it's the other political party's fault, it's their fault. And I'm going to suggest that those are actually the easy way outs. That's actually a very easy way out of explaining away what we're experiencing and what's taking place around us. Because those reasons, those easy ways out, the easy ways out, they don't actually require us to look inward at all. It actually moves us towards becoming the victim and less responsible for the lives that we are living. And it gives us a, a, a free pass from saying, How am I contributing to this breakdown here and now? See, what if the dysfunction was less about all the external things that were taking place in our politics and in our culture and in and around us, and it was more about the way that we were relating to community, that we were actually engaging one another? 
The, the writer of Hebrews gives us this powerful passage of what it looks like to live by faith. And I love Hebrews because it, it really inspires people up to this higher level of living that's available to us. And this is what it says to us in Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with sincere hearts and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let's hold unswerving to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. I, I love that passage. It sounds powerful, right? It's like, sign me up for that. Who doesn't want a life that, that is defined by the fact that we can connect confidently to God through Jesus? Like, there's no question about, like, when we connect to God, there's no lightning bolt moment. There's no, like, shunning or judgment. It's just like, hey, you can confidently come to the Father because of Jesus and ask for what you need and connect to him in that. We are no longer considered guilty of anything. How many of you would just, like, love a life that was completely free of guilt, right? That there was never a moment where I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in the doghouse again. He's saying that's, that's no longer necessary because of the cross he says our bodies are made pure, and it says we can live in abject hope, knowing that God will always fulfill his promises with us, knowing that there is never a moment where God won't do what he says he's going to do. And when I read that, I'm like, sign me up for that, right? That, that life sounds amazing. But then it continues, the passage, with these words. So this is the life that he invites us into, and then he gives us the pathway to actually have that happen. He says... And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Do not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, the writer of Hebrews tells us, you want this big dynamic life over here? You want a life that is, is cleansed from your guilt? You want a life where you are confident to connect to God? You want a life where you can step into a space where like, I am pure and there is a hope coming for with me that promises are available. He says, you need to keep meeting together. You need to spur one another onto this life that is defined by sacrificial love. And you need to encourage one another to step out into the mission that your life was designed to live in the context of community. And I like how he even gets a little sassy here, right? He doesn't just say, hey, don't forsake gathering together. He actually is like, as some are in the habit of doing, right? <laughs> it, it, growing up in our house, we had this magic someone that we always talked about. And it was, it was like... Someone forgot to take out the trash, right? Someone left their dirty dish in their room, right? Someone forgot to clean up the poop from the dogs. And we all knew who the someone was, right? And I imagine that he, the writer of Hebrews was like, as he was writing this, he was like, mm-hmm, yep, Matthew and John and Carol and all. We won't call out the someones in this room, all right? We will just refrain from that. But this is essentially what Hebrews is doing. He's like, some of you have forgotten that gathering together is essential, that community is essential, that connecting with one another is essential towards this. In other words, this dynamic life that your soul longs for is unavailable unless you are willing to sacrifice for the sake of gathering together of living in community, of giving yourself over to a collective group of individuals who you are invested in and are invested in on you. And it is unavailable without this type of intentional living and engaging one another. And, and you know, what I've noticed is that there's this trend right now to call a lot of things church. 
You see it all over Instagram, right? People are like out brunch, enjoying time with my friends, hashtag church. Or they're like surfing at Newport by myself, enjoying God's nature, hashtag church, right? <laughs> or farmer's market, hashtag church, whatever it may be, right? And that's fine. I love that. I, there's nothing wrong with that. I love, like, enjoy yourself. Have great weekends. Enjoy your time during the week. But let's just not call that church because that's not actually what the scriptures call us up to. Because when they're talking about the gathering together, there's a specific context. He says, this is a space where we spur one another onto love. This is a space where we call one another up to the mission that our life was actually made for. This is a space where we remind each other of the gift that we are to the world because of who Jesus is in us. This is not a casual brunch Sunday experience. This is a movement of God that he is longing to bring us into. And while being together and enjoying a, 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 a life fulfills a very primal need within us to have community around us, what our soul longs for is actually this larger expression of community, a community that moves one another towards a greater love by the Spirit, a community that challenges us to create the, the world around us in which God dreams us. It's, it's a spiritual community that is so committed that it will forsake everything else for the gathering together and encouraging one another moving forward. It's authentic spiritual community. But here's the thing. This type of community actually takes work. This doesn't just happen. This isn't something that, that, that we wake up one morning and go, oh, now there's a community that spurs one another on towards love and towards good works and that sacrifices for one another. This is actually hard work. This is deep, intentional living that requires sacrifice and it requires fighting for something bigger because our souls will naturally long for this and press against it all at the same time. Have you ever wanted something so bad and you also were like, I absolutely do not want that at all at the same time? You know what I'm talking about, right? It's like, how many of you are just like, I want to lose the weight and I have no intention of eating differently or going to the gym, right? <laughs> I want both. How do we have both at the same time, right? And that's how it often is with community. Our soul, we know that our souls long for this. We know that our souls need this. And yet at the same time, we're like, yeah, I don't know if I'm actually up for having this happen. See, and it's a beautiful thing when this is fought for, when it is sacrificed for. It is prioritized. It doesn't just become an option because sometimes to get what your soul needs, you have to say no to what your flesh wants. And some of us are actually soul sick and we may not even know it because we have forsaken the gathering together, the community that's available to us, the life that we were called to live. It's interesting that we expect God to sacrifice and be faithful to us, but when he calls us to sacrifice and be faithful to others, it's an option on our calendar based on what's happening at work or family or our other priorities that we have. I wonder if God created or treated his community with us the way that we treated community with one another, what would happen in life? And just in case, for some of you may be thinking, because you may be cynical, as I am at times when people have conversations like this, is this just a ploy to get church attendance back up, right? Come on, let's just be honest. Some of you may be thinking that. And, and I, I want to, like, actually put that fear out of your mind or maybe quiet that conversation. Because we intentionally called today back to community, not back to Sunday gatherings, 
We intentionally called this morning back to community, not back to being here every Sunday on time and tithing or whatever it may be. That's actually not what we're up to because the church isn't actually something you tend attend. It's not like a weekly activity. It is actually something that we get to be for one another. Now, I know that seems like they're very different concepts, right? Didn't you just say, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together, and now you're saying this isn't about showing up on Sunday mornings. Which one is it, right? Look, as is with most things in the scriptures, this is a conversation that is both and. And we as human beings don't like that. In fact, we want someone, tell me the rules that if I follow them, my life will get better, right? If I just follow these steps, then everything will be okay. If I just follow the religious activity, then everything will move forward. But this is actually a both and. See, it's not a religious ritual that if I just show up every Sunday, then God will bless me. And that if I show up at humanity groups every week, then somehow my life will get better. And if I connect to people, this will happen. But it's also, at the same time, impossible to have this type of life without connecting to one another. And so it's a both and in there because really what we're talking about is not another religious ritual to add to your activities. What we're talking about is a heart issue that God is calling us into. Because for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we are either being the church together or we're not. There's no in-between. We are either on mission together or we aren't. There's no halfway point in the middle of this. We are only as strong as our willingness to come together, to sacrifice for this movement that God is calling us to in groups, in Sundays, in person, online, during the week, whatever it looks like. See, it's not actually the function that we're looking at. It's the attitude of heart that drives our behavior that we're looking at. And so we can just look at our behavior and it informs us of our attitude of heart in this. Because I don't know about you, for many of us, we think this is a scheduling issue, when it's just a heart issue. Because you know what I found as human beings? I talk to so many people, uh, I, I coach a lot of people throughout the year, hundreds of people throughout the year. And so many people tell me I don't have time. How many of you are in that conversation? Like, let's just be honest. How many of you in your head at times you're like, I don't have time? Right, just for fill in the blank. Not even for church, I just don't have time, right? It's amazing the same people who don't have time for fill in the blank have time to make sure they catch up on their TV show, right? It's amazing how, we, how we, we don't have time for this, but we have time to binge watch whatever we need to get done, right? We don't have time for this, but we do have time for the Target run, right? We don't have time for this, but we have time to, to do the 30-minute Starbucks break, right? And it's amazing how we find time as human beings for what we long for. We as human beings are incredibly creative. It's not a resource issue. It's a heart issue. And maybe we need to start saying, I don't have time, and just saying, I'm not choosing to invest my time in this and be honest, right, with this conversation, See, because we are either living in spiritual community as a priority for our souls, like my soul needs this, because your belief will always drive your behavior. Look, at the end of the day, I'm really not interested in a packed room. Packing out a room is quite easy. Just hire a good band and have some more lights and smoke maybe, and maybe free donuts, and then we'll get more people here. Clearly, free hot dogs works, right? So it's actually easy to pack out a room. But what I actually care more about is a collective of people who recognize that they are made clean and new and set free, not for the purpose of saying, look how free I am, but for the purpose of giving their life away to a larger mission. 
of saying, I have been set free, I have been released, my life is actually moving towards wholeness and health, and because of that, I choose to sacrifice. I choose to give myself to a group of people who are also being set free, and also being made in the image of God, and are also finding the mission that their life was created for, and the sum of our parts is greater than our individuals when we come together. And there is something beautiful when that type of community forms and is informed by God. And recognize that this type of dynamic life-giving movement can only happen through, through community. See, one, really, one reason why we choose to disengage from community is because we're just not willing to sacrifice. We're not willing to sacrifice our time. We're not willing to sacrifice our energy. We're not willing to sacrifice whatever it may be. And we don't recognize that it's actually the one thing that our souls long for. But there's another reason why we choose to disengage from community at time. And before we talk about this, I'd like for you to have this conversation at your table. I'd like for you to talk about what does the word intimacy mean to you? And how do you relate to it? Now here's the thing, before you go into Sunday school mode, right? I'm not talking about the right answer, right? I'm not talking about intimacy is seeing into me see. Right, I'm not, I'm not talking about that, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like, when you're faced with, hey, I get to bear my soul to a group of people. I get to show you everything. How do you relate to that? And what does that look like for you? So take about five minutes around your table. You might want to get into groups of two or three for this. And just share, how do you relate to the word intimacy? All right, go ahead and wrap up your conversations together there. Online, you can wrap up, keep chatting, but you can wrap up your chat there. It's interesting, this word intimacy, because like I said, one of the reasons why we avoid community right now is because we're just not willing to sacrifice for it. It's just not a value for so many of us. But the other reason why many of us avoid community is because of this word intimacy. I think this is another word that has had a Mount St. Helens moment where it has shifted so radically in our culture that we almost don't even know how to relate to the word. Because when we're talking about two people and we say, oh, they're intimate with one another, that means one thing, doesn't it? <laughs> Strangely enough, in our culture, we even have intimate wear, right? <laughs> Clothing that we wear when we're intimate with one another, right? And in many ways, the word intimacy in our culture has become synonymous with the word sex. And as a result, we're actually confused about what intimacy and sex are in our culture. We don't really know how to relate to them because in our culture, we've lost so much We've lost so much touch with the meaning of the word that we just assume that the only possible way to be truly intimate with someone is to sleep with them. In fact, it's, it's fascinating to watch what's happening with Gen Z right now because Gen Z, for the first generation ever, casual sex has declined dramatically. Now, you would think as a church that has, you know, some ideas around what the scriptures say about sex and its place in the context of marriage, that that would be good news. Except the reason why they're not sleeping with one another is because that type of intimacy is actually horrifying. Because our culture is actually becoming more and more allergic to any type of intimacy. That any type of connection, any type of seeing into one another with that. See, really, at the end of the day, to be intimate with another person is to fully know them and to have them fully know you. To be fully known and to know another. And, and while this is another thing that our souls absolutely long for, that I, I will just say that it is almost impossible to continue even living without having another person knowing you and you knowing another person. It scares us to death for so many of us. 
Because yes, they get to know that part of you that is beautiful and that is longing to be known and they get to know that part of you that is so unique and handcrafted by God and carries his image with you, but they also get to know that part of you. That part of you that you may have tucked away or that you may have hidden behind doors or that you pray to God that no one ever finds out about you. Those thoughts that you have, those things that you do, those emotions that you experience. And I wonder for how many of us, we actually find ourselves surrounded by people and yet are incredibly lonely because we're just not known. And we find ourselves stuck in this loneliness with the voices inside that say, don't let anyone see. Don't let anyone know you. Don't let anyone get too close because if they get too close, they might open that door and that door gets opened. They're going to find out that you're a mess. When the whole time, the answer is actually right in front of us. It's the place where Jesus invites us into constantly and that is to step into the light, not just with God. See, some of us have learned to be intimate with God and yet we've not been willing to be intimate with others because we know that God will forgive, but we're not sure that others will forgive. We know that God will be gracious, but we're not sure that others will be gracious. But at the end of the day, how we are with others is how we are with God at the end of the day. And so to step into the light. In fact, anything that the scriptures talk about in our spiritual journey is almost always in the context of community. When it talks about repenting for the places of your life where you've missed it, it's in the context of community. When, it's in the context, when it talks about confessing the things that are, are in, we're engaging in that we, are, we know are not moving us towards the life that God dreams for us, it's in the context of community. When they talk about prayer, it's in the context of community. Heck, even when Jesus says, if you're giving your offering, if you're putting that envelope in the bucket or you're about to hit send on your app, he said, before you give any money, you better make sure that you're good with the people around you. Even your offering is an act of communal living. It is not an individual thing that you say, here's my money that I give. Jesus literally says, you better check with your community to make sure you're in right standing with them before you give me a dime of your money. Because I'm not actually interested in that before you correct your life. And you get back into the space where your life can get healthy in the middle of all of this. You were actually made for intimacy. And here's the thing that I can only say, but you'll have to discover on your own if you're willing to, is that the thing that you are avoiding to bring into the light and into community, that thing that you've decided that if anyone knew this or if anyone saw this, it would be the end of me, it will be the biggest blessing to you and the people around you. The second that you decide this gets to be brought into the light, it actually becomes the context, not only for your freedom, but for the freedom of so many people around you. I wonder how many people in your life are enslaved because you're unwilling to step into the light and be intimate with the people around you where they get to see everything. Now, you may think to yourself, like many of us think, who am I supposed to be intimate with, right? Who, who am I supposed to give myself to? Who am I supposed to be in community with? Who am I supposed to, to sacrifice for? Who exactly is supposed to be in this thing called community that I am to engage in? I'm glad you asked because Jesus answers that exact question. In fact, in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25, this is what Jesus says. It says, on one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. 
You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor, right? This is where we go when we start resisting, right? We're like, well, they're not my neighbor, right? I mean, these people at my table I'd be neighborly with, but not them, right? So, so who, can we get, can we get like a, a contract here that just spells out in fine print who is our neighbor so that I know exactly the, the bare minimum that I need to do to get through this thing called community? And this is how Jesus responds. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest or a pastor happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, a very holy person, a person upright, that does all the right things, that goes to Sunday school, that knows all the right answers, that does all the good things. When he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, now yes, we're talking about the good Samaritan this morning. Now here's the thing, before we even move any forward in this story, sometimes we, this story gets lost in cultural translation. Because the Samaritans and the Jews did not like each other. They were not to be in the same place with one another. And so when Jesus is saying there was a Samaritan, I want you to fill in the blank with the people or persons that you struggle loving the most. That woke Democrat. That MAGA conservative. That black or white person. The gay person. The cisgender male person. Fill in the blank. The person that you're just like, this is the group of people that I have a really hard time loving. Because this is how Jesus answers this question. And as we read this passage, I want you to get those people in your mind right now. I just want you to, look, don't act like you don't have someone holier than thou, all right? <laughs> we all have someone. A group of people that when you read it on the news, you're like, there they go again. Or when you see something happen around you, there it is again. Or I told you so this was going to happen. Or I don't want my kids to be around them because they're going to ruin them. Or whatever it is. Just get that in your head and replace Samaritan with that. Because this is the impact that Jesus was attempting to drive home when he was giving this story. And he says, but a Samaritan, fill in the blank, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own docking, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave him to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert said, the one who had mercy on him. See, we are actually those who are called to have mercy on others. We are to be the tribe of people who are merciful in who we call community, who we're willing to sacrifice for, who we are willing to give to, who we are willing to be intimate with. See, Jesus was powerfully letting us know here in this passage that even the person you long to be in community with the least or expect would be the last person on earth you would expect to support you, this is the person that you were to call neighbor. This is the person that you are to call friend. This is the person that you are intentionally called to go be intimate with. This is the person you are called to reach out to and say, hey, I need you in community with me. You are worthy of being known. And you are worthy of knowing us. 
and being in this space where your soul can flourish in the middle of this. Look, when I was writing this talk and thinking about this day, I, I found myself uh, frustrated at a bit of a loss. Because here at Humanity, we talk about community so much that it can become a little bit like white noise. It can be like, oh, here we go, we're talking about community again. So how do we actually engage this in a way that moves us towards authentic mercy, authentic compassion, to actually engaging this in a way that shifts not just how we see the world, but how we engage the world around us? See, because there's this urgency inside of me that I would long to transfer to you. Not a panic, but an urgency because of this Mount St. Helens moment that we've had. That there's this urgency that looks at the movement of humanity and says, oh, this is an urgent moment for us to get this. Not get this at a, a cognitive level, like, oh, I'm supposed to be committed to community, but my life will decrease, that my soul will diminish, that I will become heart sick if I fail to engage this way of living. Because not all forward movement is progress. And I'm going to suggest that we've had a lot of forward movement, and yet it hasn't actually been progress. Because some of the places where we have gone as a species have actually been detrimental to the human spirit. It's actually been painful for who we are as a people in the middle of this. And we are seeing devastating results around us as we look around. And here is what I'm going to invite you to consider this morning as we eat together, as we celebrate with one another, is that here at Humanity Church, one of our core beliefs is that Jesus is the only hope for a lost and devastated world. And that the local church, the local community, is the redemptive agent that Jesus chooses to work through. There's no other plan B. He's just like, this is it. If you're wondering who is gonna save humanity, Look around the room for a minute. And it's not like we're the superheroes. It's because Christ is in us. He doesn't inhabit the air. He doesn't move through the cities like we thought coronavirus did three years ago, right? It's not like a gas that suddenly comes on and all of a sudden we're going to be like, oh, we're supposed to love each other. It's because there's a group of people who have decided they will sacrifice for the sake of others. That they will not forsake the gathering of themselves with one another. That we will choose intimacy even when it scares us to death in the middle of us. And it will require intention. It will require sacrifice. It will require choosing to spur one another on towards love. It will require us coaching one another into the greatest life that we were called to live. Giving ourselves to the mission in front of us. And it will call us to levels of intimacy that will probably horrify you. But we are those who are called to do it anyways. Even when it's hard, even when it's awkward, even when we don't want to, even when our schedule and our finances and our circumstances would say, this is not possible, or even this is not smart. We are the crazy ones who are willing to say, I'm in with this. To get familiar with the uncomfortable and say, this is the life that I've called, been called to live. It will move us to redefine who our neighbor is. That when we just look out, we're like, yes, that's my neighbor. That person there, and there, and there. See, here's what I would love. I would love for Humanity Church, us here, to create our own Mount St. Helens moment. Where we would move from this place and say, you know what? 
we're just going to take a stand and move humanity forward faster than it would have with us sitting back. That we are going to move a movement forward of people saying, I'm all in for creating community and being committed to community. But it starts with us being committed. It starts with us being willing to sacrifice. It starts with us being willing to be intimate. And I guarantee you, there's no like magic secret here. When people find out there's a place where people live like that, people will run into those spaces. People will run to your humanity groups. People will run to our gatherings. Kids will be running into our kids' spaces. People will be packed online because they know that this is the space where people sacrifice and fight to spur one another on towards love and towards the mission that we were designed for. Because when we choose to go back to community, the gates of hell cannot stand against the movement that we will create here. And it is so breathtakingly beautiful. Let's take a moment and pray together. Jesus, I thank you for all that you have given us. That is, it is only through the cross and your deep, deep work in us and through us that we are able to live fully. But I thank you that you call us into this context of that life that is only found in community, that is only found with one another and in one another and through one another. Jesus, I ask that you would that you would create like a, a holy disruption inside of us today. That we would walk away from here saying, I, I have to be connected to people. Like, that's not an option. I have to. And that, that whatever sacrifice we need to make, whatever shifts in attitude we need to make, whatever schedule changes we need to make, that this would be the life that we are called to live because there is no other life that is bigger and greater than this. I thank you, Jesus, for this community that already chooses sacrifice and already chooses beauty and, and already chooses spurring one another towards love and towards goodness in the world. May you call us up to the next level. And God, for those of us who are even on the fence or just hearing this for the first time, I pray that you would stir within us the longing that you have for us and our community. Jesus, we thank you for how good you are. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at www.humanitychurch.com.